Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hallelujah. Good morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time for Bible study with the Message of Christ Church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am your teacher for today, Sister Teresa, and I thank the Lord that you have decided to join us this morning for a time of Bible study. This uh, Bible study is brought to you by the Message of Christ Church, which is pastored by none other than Prophetess Sylvia Staples. Message of Christ Church is located in Chicago, Illinois. Our main teleconference number is 805-399-1000, and the access code is 420-123. So I invite you to call a friend, as they say, phone a friend, Get on your social media. Tell somebody to join in on the Bible study this morning because the feast of the Lord is going on. But again, I'd like to thank you for joining us, and I will start with a, a word of prayer for this lesson today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for blessing us to gather to, again on this line to hear a message from you, to get a word from the Lord, to receive instruction. According to your word, Father, we thank you for your wonderful work unto the children of men. We thank you that you have allowed us to rise up today, to come forth, Lord God, to rise up, to study your word, to hear from you, to come before you, to be in your presence, Lord. We thank you, Father. We ask that you forgive us of everything that we have done and said that is not like you, Lord God. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Help us, O God, to represent you at all times, blessing us to realize that we are ambassadors for Christ, and bless us to walk in the calling in which you have called us to, O God. We thank and praise you right now, Father. We ask that you bless this lesson, Lord. Bless the hearers. Touch the hearts, Lord God. Let it go deep down inside, Father, rooted and grounded in the hearts of the people today that they may produce fruit, O God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. I trust that you've invited someone to the prayer line today. For today's lesson is we pray for one another. We pray for one another. Grab your Bibles. If you don't have them already, grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. We are going to start with the lesson text, which is James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And I'm reading from the King James Version. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent, Prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Thank you, Jesus. 
So our subject lesson today is we pray for one another. But I wanted to focus on the ability for us to pray for ourselves. First and foremost, in order to pray for one another, you must first be able to pray for yourself. How can you pray for somebody else if you can't get a breakthrough for yourself? So that's what I would like to start that focus on with verse 13. James chapter 5, verse 13. If any among you afflicted, let him pray. Afflicted means suffering or to undergo hardship, to suffer, endure evil, which are hardships or troubles. Suffering or hardship, excuse me, refers to outside circumstances, excuse me, refers to outside circumstances affecting you. So a hardship or uh, a suffering that you go through, you know, it could be that that boss on the job, you feel pressure on the job. These are outside circumstances that's bothering you, not something that you necessarily have done yourself. You're just in a situation and it's kind of hard, you're feeling pressure, it's up, something's getting on your nerves, things like that. So suffering or hardships refer to outside circumstances that are affecting you. So when these things or circumstances happen, we are first instructed to pray. Pray for yourself. You go to God and you say, look, that boss is getting on my nerves. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. You get on your knees. You pray for yourself, and then you listen and see what instructions God is going to give you. Sometimes we may have to endure something. That God, this uh, hardship, we're just going to have to endure. So secondly, the scripture says we are instructed to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So I'd like you to turn to Second Timothy chapter two, verses three through thirteen. Second Timothy chapter two, verses three through thirteen. And it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that was entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Verse 6, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be there with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. So secondly, when we are afflicted, going through suffering or undergoing hardship, the second thing we need to do and be aware of is to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 5 says, if a man also strive for masteries, Yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Strive in this verse, excuse me, refers to competing. This verse is directed towards those who are athletes. They're trying to master something, you know, track and field. We see them work out running in the track and field uh, uh, 
sport, jumping over hurdles. You know, they, they have to count so many steps before they jump. You know, they, they have to master going over the hurdle. But there are rules. There are rules to every game that is played. There are rules. That, that's what is meant by strive lawfully. It means to compete within the designated rules of the game. The rules for football is not the same as the rules for track and field. So whatever the rules are pertaining to whatever game that is being played, in order to win the crown, you must compete lawfully. Spiritually, this means we have to embrace the rules, the concepts, and the precepts that God has set forth for us to run the race of salvation with success. We want to be successful in this walk with Christ. We want to be successful in running the race. And in order to run the race successfully, we must follow the rules, the precepts, and the concepts that God has set forth in order to be successful. Getting an understanding by studying the word of God, and as the scripture says, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 through 10. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 and 10. Again, I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. That means you must study the word. This isn't for babies. He's not going to teach something that's, you know, where you're trying to master something, a principle of God. It's not going to be given to babies. That's not given to babies. You know, the babies in the Lord are to desire the sincere milk of the word. We feed milk to the babies. Those who are newly born in Christ, we feed milk to them. But those who are of age, you are of age, you're not no longer drinking milk, as in verse 9 says, you are weaned from milk. You're drawn from the breast. There ain't no more nursing you, no more holding your hand. Come on, baby, that's over with. For now it's precept must be upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. It's time to sit you down. It's time for you to learn how to pray for yourself, study the concepts and precepts of prayer. Sit down, get your word out, pull out your Bible dictionary, study the word because you are afflicted. This is you being afflicted. you got to seek God for yourself. Get a prayer through for yourself before you are able to pray for someone else. The title of this lesson is We Pray for One Another. In order to have that foundation, this is the foundation of being able to pray for one another is first the ability to pray for yourself. You want to pray for yourself. You build yourself up by studying the word. When you're going through an affliction, like I said, a hardship, an affliction uh, in James chapter 5 is referring to a hardship. There's a circumstance that's outside of your control, that you are just in a situation, you're back against the wall. You pray. You have to pray because you're suffering. You feeling it's unbearable. I don't like what's going on, Lord. I, I this is getting on my nerves. You pray and ask the Lord to give you the solution to the problem. So back to Timothy here, verse six says, "The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits." We know that the laborer is a farmer, and a farmer must first partake of the fruits or the crops, the crops that's produced. You know, if the farmer doesn't taste the fruit, you know, and he go to market and there's some sour grapes, ain't nobody buying them sour grapes. They're going to taste that and it's going to stay right there. But if he's a good farmer and he wants to succeed and, and make some money, he's going to first partake of the fruits. He's going to taste it. 
He's going to make sure whatever he's taking to market is good, is something that will bring money to him. So spiritually, this implies if you have gone through a situation, a circumstance, you are first a partaker of that situation. And once you get the victory over it, you have prayed yourself through, you have won out over that situation, you have been first partaker of it, and now you have the victory over it, which is the fruit that God has given you. I have succeeded over this circumstance. God brought me through. He showed me the way out. I have the victory over this thing. Therefore, you are able to share your testimony, the precepts, the concepts, the steps that you took to get the victory over this situation or circumstance that you were in. Amen. So, if you endure hardship as a good soldier, you know firsthand what it takes to go through the circumstance and can share with someone else the victory you won and the end result. So thank the Lord. We thank the Lord for that. So I know the title of this lesson is We Pray for One Another, but like I said, I feel it's necessary for us to know how to pray for ourselves. We have to lay that foundation to pray for ourselves, be able to get the victory over something that we are going through in order to bless someone else and support them in prayer. So let's continue with verse 7 of 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, for those of you just chiming in, we are in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and at verse number 7. He says, consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So think about the, the verses prior to enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. The Lord has chosen us to be good soldiers, to fight the fight of faith, to walk with him and talk with him. And whatever you don't get, as he says in verse 7, consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So Timothy, he said, uh, um, Peter wrote this to Timothy, you know, I'm, I'm praying that God will give you understanding. Open your understanding in all things. So sometimes, you know, when we're studying the word, we don't get the uh, concept right away. We don't get that precept right away. But God will give us understanding as we continue to study and we ask him to open our understanding to what we are reading and what the word is saying and to give us the victory over that situation. So verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. Verse 9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So here Paul is saying, I'm sorry, that was Paul that wrote this. Paul is saying outside circumstances, he's been tied up, if you want, you know, saying he's uh, suffered as an evildoer. People talk, talk about him. He is going through all kinds of problems and perils and afflictions and what have you, even to the point of being in bonds, being bonds, uh, in bonds means tied up or arrested. He's handcuffed and considered an evildoer by outsiders who don't really understand. But he is still able to preach the word because he says, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not under arrest. It's still free, has free course, even though he's going through all these different problems and circumstances He's still able to preach the word and is able to get out because the word of God is still free. He may be arrested. He might be in handcuffs. But, you know, sometimes when we look at TV, you see a prisoner in the courtroom or something, or even if you've been in court and they they walking down the, uh, in the courtroom with their arms behind their backs and the handcuffs on and their mouths is just going, I don't care what you said. I'm I'm innocent. They got the wrong man. I didn't do it. You know, so Paul is saying the same thing. Even though he's bound, his his hands are in chains, his feet are shackled, 
his mouth is still free to speak, and he speaks the oracles of God, and the word of God is not bound. It's still able to go forth. He's preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, even though he is under arrest or tied up. He says in verse 10, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he is an example to all of us to endure all things. We have to endure some some stuff God is going to just let us stay in, and we just got to take it. I keep referring to bosses because I know a lot of people work, and you get a person on your job. It could be a coworker. It doesn't necessarily have to be your boss. It could be the circumstances you're in that job, and evidently you might have to learn something. So you need to endure that hardness until God brings you out. You endure it as a good soldier, praying. You feel that person is an idiot. They make uh, stupid decisions. They do things that's not wise for the department or for the area, whatever the case may be. You still have to endure. In in uh, so many words, you are under arrest. Hey, how y'all are on my side? You are under arrest on that job because you need that paycheck. You know you cannot just get up right now, quit that job without having another job lined up. So in essence, you are so somewhat under arrest to endure what's going on in that job. So therefore, endure as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And ask the Lord to show you, because this endurance that you're doing is a hardness. you got to endure that hardness, that circumstance. You have to endure it as a good soldier, which means, uh, translates back to James chapter 5, verse 13, is being afflicted. You're afflicted on that job, therefore you are instructed to pray. You pray to endure as a good soldier and know how to take what's going on around you, and God will give you the answer or the solution. He'll either move the people out of the way or he will release you from that job into another job or another source of income. Whatever the case may be, you must first endure it um, for uh, your sake and for those around you, for the sake he says in verse 10, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In other words, he didn't stop doing his job. He did not stop preaching the gospel because he was bound. He did not stop preaching the gospel and teaching and instructing people because he had hardships. He didn't sit down, fold his hands, and say, I can't take it no more. I don't want to be bothered with this. No. He had in mind the elect's sakes. He had other people in mind. He had a purpose. He knew what his calling was, and he had to stay uh, in line and focused on what he had to do, what the end result was, because he knew these people had to be saved. I have a work. I know I got to lead people to Jesus Christ so they can have eternal life. I don't care what's going on. I've been beat. They whipped me. I'm still going to preach the word. They tied me up. They shipped me over here. They shipped me over there. I'm still going to preach the word. We have to endure hardness as a good soldier. No matter what circumstances is going on, we have to remember somebody else is watching. Somebody else needs your testimony. Somebody else needs to grow by what you're going through so you can help them out in order to be able to pray them through. As this lesson is talking about, we pray for one another in order to pray for somebody else. You must first be able to endure as a good soldier. Then you will be able to pray for somebody else because you have prayed your way out. You are staying focused and realizing this for somebody else. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verses uh, 11 through 12. This is still 2 Timothy chapter 2. It is a faithful saying for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. That's the reward. That's the reward. Hey, that's the reward. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. We're all going to go through something. All of us 
uh, task the trial, all of us are going to have to endure hardness at different times in our lives. But if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We don't want to be in that category. Nobody wants to deny Christ. And it's clear right here, if you do it, he's going to deny you. So let us not take that mindset. Let us endure suffering and hardness as a good soldier so that we can reign with him. And verse 13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. No matter what your stance is, if you believe it or not, God is still faithful. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So now let us go back to James chapter 5, the scripture lesson text. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Again, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. This sick in verse uh, 14 refers to more than a stomachache that can be treated with Pepto-Bismol, okay? If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. This sickness, we were talking about something that's very serious. You've been to the doctor, you've got some kind of diagnosis that has just blown you away. You know, they're saying you need surgery. Uh, it's something that's going on in your body, and you know this just don't feel right. It's some, you, you tried the Pepto-Bismol. You tried, you know, taking some Tylenol. You tried putting on some, you know, soaking in Epsom salt, something. You, you've tried everything you know to do to first tend to whatever this sickness is that's going on in your body and it's not being corrected. That's when you call for the elders of the church. You know, many of us I've heard over the years how people have called the pastor in the middle of the night talking about their head hurt. You know, come on, y'all. We it's, it's time to get past that. We don't want to disturb the pastor who is a human being just like us. Now, pastors need their sleep. Pastors have families. They don't need us calling them because we stubbed our toe on the dresser in the middle of the night going to the bathroom. They don't need us calling them because our head hurt and we could take a Tylenol or we could take some Advil or you can pray for yourself, lay hands on yourself and be healed of that headache, get an understanding of why you had a headache. Some of us, you know, you we ate the wrong thing and it didn't agree with us. Don't call the pastors for that. Don't call the elders of the church for that. It's, this scripture is talking about something that is serious, a serious condition that you cannot treat yourself. You can't get over it uh, without the prayer of the elders of the church. We know that God is the great physician, and his instructions to us is to call the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So the elders of the church, who are the elders of the church? They are ordained ministers of the church. And whatever your organization is, they're ordained ministers who have the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost flowing through them, the power of God working through them. They are pastors, uh, uh, ministers, ordained people, who are individual or individuals with the gifts of healing. There are individuals who have the gifts of healing. Call them when you are sick. Call the elders when you are sick to the degree that it's requiring surgery. It's a serious ailment. It's something very serious. That's when you call them. They will lay hands on you. They will anoint you with oil and pray. They will anoint you with oil and pray. That's the instruction. If they're not anointing you with oil and praying, anointing you in the name of the Lord and praying for you, then, uh, you know, I think you better consider going somewhere else. 
uh, go to someone who can get a prayer through, a uh, minister that can get a prayer through. So thank God that you are on this prayer line with the Message of Christ Church because we know for a fact and without a doubt this ministry can get a prayer through. Pastor Staples uses the blessed oil and have prayed many, 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 many people through. We have prayed many, 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 many people through their sicknesses and uh, diseases. God is healed. So the principle here, calling for the elders of the church, for serious medical conditions, or if it's an emergency, emergency situations, you know, like people have a loss of breath, they can't breathe, you pick up, you know, have somebody call, tell somebody, call my pastor. Emergency situation. Okay, so verse 15, it says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. They shall be forgiven him. First, the elders must have faith. I want you to note that. The first thing it says, you know, we've been instructed to call for the elders of the church, but it says, in the prayer of faith, the elders or the ministers who you call must first have faith. If they don't have faith in their prayer, you might as well forget it. So they must first have faith. Have faith that the healing will take place because they have prayed for you. Now, let's look at the benefits of the elders praying for the sick. So it says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So just that one act of picking up the phone, calling for the elders, has brought forth three benefits here. The benefits, save the sick, raise him up, and if you commit his sins, they shall be be forgiven. How great is that? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't God wonderful? He is just He just does way above and beyond what we ask or think. You know, it's just we just want to be healed of whatever this little this problem is. We want, uh, you know, whatever we want the tumor to dissolve. But not only will the tumor dissolve and be gone, God will raise you up and you be restored and rejuvenated. And then if if what you uh, been afflicted with was because of something, some kind of sin you did that brought that onto your body, brought the sickness into your body, God will forgive you of that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's so good to study the word, study the word, study the word. So let's look at when Jesus healed some of the uh, people, a lot of times when Jesus healed people, he said, take up your bed and walk. So this was more than relief from pain. It was a restoration of the body, restoration of the body to the performance that God made that body for. They were healed. They were able to take up their bed. They received strength, and they were able to walk with their bed on their shoulders, however they carried their beds back in those days. I haven't studied to that degree to tell you. But anyway, they were able to do it, roll it up, roll up the mat, and carry it under their arms, whatever the case may be. And then the icing on the cake, as I've already said, is the forgiveness of sins. Some sicknesses come from acts of sin. This is clear right here in this verse 15. Some sicknesses come from acts of sin. I like to call it self-inflicted sickness. I personally know there's certain things that I cannot eat, that I uh, don't agree with my body, that will make me sick. There, We all know. When people do drugs, that drugs don't agree with the body, and after a long time of abusing drugs, the body begins to break down and various sicknesses come on. Those are self-inflicted sins that we have done or people have done to themselves and has caused sickness in the body, okay? But the sickness doesn't have to have to last forever, and God can reverse it. God can bring forth healing uh, through the forgiveness of sins when we receive the prayer 
of faith from the elders of the church. And we will be able to rise up and walk and do the things that need to be done to live a productive life and health. Hallelujah. So other times it's been done, you know, damage to the body. It has occurred and uh, things have been done for so long that the individual can no longer control the sickness. You know, sometimes people abuse certain things and uh, take medicine for it and, you know, after a while that medicine don't work or whatever things they have tried to control the sickness, it no longer works. So the prayer of faith by the elders brings forth forgiveness of sins and, if necessary, brings forth forgiveness of sins if it is necessary, I'm sorry. That comes forth with the uh, prayer of faith. An example of sin associated with sickness is in uh, John chapter 5. Let's turn to St. John, St. John chapter 5, St. John chapter 5. St. John, chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. Verses 2 through 9, and also verse 14. Okay. This is... uh, a passage of scripture that a lot of us are familiar with. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then, first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in and was made whole of whatever disease he had, and a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another stepped down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked, and on this on the same day was the Sabbath. Let's look at drop down to verse fourteen. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more lest a worse thing come unto thee. Okay? We're talking about the man who's been at the pool 38 years, 38 years. Let's look a little closely at this passage. So now, we know for a fact this man was older than 38 years old because the scripture didn't say from birth or from his mother's womb. This this says that he was laying, he had his infirmity for 38 years. So that means He knew how to walk, but he was weak and frail. His infirmity caused him to move slowly. Verse 7, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, okay, so he's either crawling or he's walking real slow, he's feeble, he's frail. He said, while I am coming. Another stepped down before me. So somebody has always beat him to the water. Why did Jesus pick him to heal? 
Jesus had compassion on him. And in addition to Jesus having compassion on him, because it says Jesus knew he had been in this state for a long time, in verse 6, when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, will thou be made whole? You know, not only did Jesus know that he had been in this situation a long time, the man had faith. The man's faith, he had faith in the troubling of the water. <clears throat> Jesus responds to faith. God responds to faith. Anybody who shows faith can receive what they are looking for from the Lord. Believe it and you shall receive it if it is in accordance to God's word. Excuse me. <clears throat> so Jesus decided to help this man because, number one, he had faith in the troubling of the water. He wanted to get healed. And then Jesus said, had compassion on him. So he's like, You've been, he'd been in this situation suffering for 38 years. I'm going to help him out. So Jesus asked him, will you be made whole? So the man said, you know, gave his reason why he couldn't be made whole. He's not able to get into the water. But how, how many of us know of one that was greater than the angel was there by the pool? Ha, the great physician was right there. So, you know, throughout the years, I'm, I, I imagine this man laying by the pool, you know, suffering with his infirmity, whatever it was, was crippling. And I bet you, like, we present day, we hear people say, oh, Lord, if you heal me of this, if I could just get out of this, I won't do it again. Oh, God, I won't do that no more. I won't do it again. Help me, Lord, I promise you. You know, people make all kind of promises and everything. God, just get me out of this. I'm sure this man did the same thing. I bet you he did the same thing. And that's why I believe personally, that's why Jesus had to go back to him, okay? His affliction was brought on by some kind of sin. Whatever this man did, he was old enough to know whatever he did that made him sick was because he sinned. So Jesus found him, verse 14. Verse 14, Jesus said, afterwards, Jesus, I mean, the scripture says, afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Don't you go back and do that thing you did. Don't go back to whatever you did that caused this infirmity to come on you. Because if you do that, let a worse thing come unto thee. You think laying by the pool for 38 years, not being able to get in the water was bad. That won't compare to what can come on you after you go back and, and sin again. You could be totally incapacitated where somebody got to pick you up. You're not able to move. Somebody got to clean you. Somebody has to feed you. Somebody has to make decisions for you. That's a worse thing, in my opinion, than being uh, laying next to the pool for 38 years. Total incapacitation. I don't know what worse thing could have come on this man, but that's how my imagination works. If we just consider, you know, Jesus warned him. He admonished him. You know, the, you know, we have to tell people they come for prayer. Sometimes God is going to tell you when you're praying for somebody, this is an example, when you're praying for somebody and they, their sin has been forgiven them because of the prayer of faith, the elders have prayed for them, their sin has been forgiven them, Somebody at some point in time throughout your ministry of praying for people, you're going to have to tell them, uh, don't do that again. Don't go and sin no more. Don't sin again. Lest a worse thing come upon you. Sin no more. Don't, don't go around playing around thinking you can get high again or whatever it is because something worse can come on you and you want to maintain your health and your strength that God has given you. So this also lets us know that those people who have been in church, they, we pray for them. Because sometimes I hear about people saying, oh, they prayed for me and nothing happened. You know, I felt good for a little while, and then I was sick again. Uh, what did you do? You know, we're going to have to question those people. This is an example right here. Jesus letting them know, letting this man know, this particular man know, you've been made whole. This is St. John. Chapter 5, verse 14, for those who just chimed in. St. John, chapter 5, verse 14. You have been made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. 
there are some people, the scripture is not written just because God had men of God write it just for the sake of writing it. Somebody is going to have this kind of situation. Somebody is going to go back to something they knew made them sick and wasn't good for them, and then that thing is going to come back on them or something worse, something worse. And then they're going to try to say, your prayer didn't work, you were, God didn't do this, and all that kind of stuff. When in actuality, the responsibility of them losing their health and the benefits of being restored is their own actions, is their own behavior. So don't let nobody put you on a guilt trip or try to talk about the Lord. Question them and ask them, well, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do after you got healed? What happened that you lost out on your healing? Okay? All right. So let's move quickly because time is running short. Verse 16. Verse 16. Oh, let me say one more thing. One more thing. So those three aspects of having the elders, the elders of the church praying, the benefits. Verse 15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise them up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So in other words, you get a fresh start. We get a fresh start, spirit, soul, and body. We get a fresh start. Now, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want to do just the first clause of this. Focus on this first clause right right quick. Confess your faults one to another and pray for another that ye may be healed. Now, exactly what is a fault? A fault is a lapse or deviation from truth and uprightness, a sin, or a misdeed. So, in other words, something you did wrong. You know you did something wrong. You know your secret thoughts, your secret sins. You know yourself when you have done something wrong. So these are the things that you go, we go to one another for. This is, you go to your brothers and sisters in Christ, the lay people. You don't have to call the ministers. You don't have to call the pastor. You could go to your girlfriend that you know is a praying woman or a, a guy friend of yours, you know, is a praying man. Somebody you know can get a prayer through because they have already uh, – Prayed themselves through certain afflictions and what have you, according to James 5.13. They've already succeeded in that area, and so now they're able to pray with you in regards to a fault that you have, a misdeed that you did. You might have cursed somebody out, and you, you have to go and say, you know what, I'll I, I be slipping up on that. You know, they, people get on my nerves when I'm driving. I get road rage, and before I know it, I curse the other driver out. That's a fault. You know, we don't suppose to talk like that. That's a fault. You go to your brother or sister in Christ who you can trust, who ain't going to be running all over the church telling your business. You go to somebody you know can trust and get a prayer through, and you confess that fault. And and they pray with you, and God will forgive you, and you get the victory over that. So a fault is a lapse or a deviation from truth and uprightness, a sin or a misdeed. We also uh, pray for one another uh, because you, in, in regards to praying for one another, uh, your faults may not be the same as my faults. And you have gotten the victory over something. Or, you know, in cer- certain instances, you may have had a fault that I had. So... I'll go along, I'll just keep that same example of cursing somebody out, okay? Say that used to be your fault. That was something you used to do, and God has blessed you. You got the victory over it. So then say I come along and I tell you, sister so-and-so, every time I'm driving, these people get on my last nerves, and before I know it, I'm going to curse them out. I don't want to be cursing people out like this no more. I really don't want to do that. Then you can tell me, You know, Sister Teresa, I used to have the same problem, and God blessed me. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, and you go on with your prayer, and I have confidence in knowing that God's going to help me. I'll have the victory over 
cursing people out when I'm driving because you have gotten the victory over it. You had that testimony, therefore you can help me through this situation. So that's what praying for one another is all about. You, I have a fault that you have gotten a victory over or our faults are not the same and we confess them to one another and God will bless us as we pray. We pray and get the victory over these things. Okay, so let's go to verses, uh, the second portion of verse 16 through the end of this lesson text. The lesson text is James chapter 5. We're in James chapter 5 now, verse 16, part B through the end verse to verse 18. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is talking about miracle working power, miracle working power, prayer, miracle prayer, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Everybody know Elias is really Elijah. This is the Greek version of his name. Elijah prayed, and uh, remember he, he said to his servant, go and tell Ahab, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, first, before it rained, that was when he prayed for the rain to come. In order for Ahab to learn a lesson because of his rebellion, Elijah prayed that it would stop raining. That's a miracle. To have control over the weather to that extent is a miracle because God has already instituted the laws of meteorology. It's supposed to rain. It's supposed to snow, you know, condensation, precipitation. That's weather. Weather exists all over the world. That's part of existing in this earth realm. We are subject to weather. So it's a miracle when one of the laws that God has put in place is impeded through prayer. It's stopped or it's reversed or it's changed to be the opposite of what it normally does. So that was a miracle that it did not rain for three years. Three years and six months, three and a half years, it did not rain because one man, one man prayed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. If that much could happen with one man praying, how much more? Hey, with us righteous people gathering together, a bunch of us righteous folks together praying fervently for the same thing, oh, my God, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. We could stop tornadoes from coming through. It's not going to hit my city. I remember some years ago there was a hurricane coming, and it was headed straight for Virginia Beach, Virginia, straight for Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I'll never forget it. One, It was a popular TV ministry on back then, and he had his congregation praying. They were not afraid. They commanded the hurricane to bypass Virginia. They commanded it to bypass, to go another way. Do you know that hurricane deterred? It, 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 got, uh, it got detoured. That's the word I'm looking for. It got detoured. It detoured. It didn't, they, did, they didn't even have no bad rain in Virginia Beach, Virginia at that time. They didn't have the, the regular effects of the hurricane. You know, if, it, if uh, the residual effects of the hurricane didn't even happen. The Lord blessed. He answered the effectual, fervent prayer of those righteous people and kept the hurricane away from Virginia Beach, Virginia. So we, as the people of God, can come together in the righteousness that we have in God our righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But God calls us righteous. A righteous man's prayer avails much. 
A righteous man's prayers bring forth miracles. Miracles come forth from the fervent prayer of a righteous man. So then when Elijah prayed again, after three and a half years, he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, you know that's faith. Was it, there was a, he didn't smell the rain in the air. He saw a cloud, a cloud, not a whole bunch of clouds. It wasn't, it did, the sky didn't get dark. It, the scripture said, a cloud the size of a man's hand. That's awfully small. But he told his servant, okay, go tell, go tell Ahab it's getting ready to rain. Gonna rain, <laughs> and of course we know it rained. But see, that's how that's how faith works. That's how miracles work. You see something, somebody else will be looking at you like he got to be crazy. Something wrong with him. But then, it, then it works. That's how miracles are. Miracles don't make sense to people. As I stated, miracles are opposite of the law that God has already established. It's opposite. It stops that particular law from happening. And then to reverse it is like, okay, wow, you know. That's why it's, it's so awesome to know that God will give us such power. We can have whatever we want according to the power that works in us. If we're righteous, we can pray any miracle. We can pray for anything as long as it's in accordance to the words. Remember what I said about striving lawfully? If we, if you want to uh, put it in the frame that uh, the framework of a game, if we play this game right and we pray in accordance to God's word, we pray in accordance to the word, which is the rules and precepts and concepts that God has laid forth for us, these miracles can happen. Miracles will happen as long as we do it in accordance to the word of God. Okay, my time is winding up. So lastly, I want you to take note. Lastly, I want you to take note. Take note of this. Everyone in need of prayer. When we go back to this scripture, uh, this passage of scripture, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. When you review this passage of scripture, one thing I want everybody to take note of was everybody who was in need of prayer has to do something. Everyone who is in need of prayer has to do something. The afflicted have to pray. The sick have to call. The faulty have to confess. So grab hold to these principles and be healed in Jesus' name. God bless you. I am Sister Teresa. You have been listening to 8 a.m. Sunday School Bible Study with the Message of Christ Church, which is passed by Prophetess Sylvia Staples. I am so glad you joined us today. I thank the Lord for you. I ask you to tune in. Visit the website, messageofchrist.net, messageofchrist.net, the order of services and everything pertaining to the ministry is on the website. Again, I thank you for joining us and invite you to join us every Sunday, every Sunday at 8 a.m. for a time in the Word, a time of Bible study brought to you by the Message of Christ Church, which is truly a church that brings forth the Message of Christ. Be well, be blessed, be healed in Jesus' name. Have a great day. God bless you and goodbye.
Your conference recording has stopped. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.